Welcome to our latest version of Optimism Now. We got a real special guest today. My name, of course, is I'm the host, Donald Hardaway. And of course, we're here to talk about entrepreneurship, <coughs> family life balance, health, and uh, success. So we have with us today, Willie Lightfoot. Uh, who knows where to start, man? This man serving the community is, I think, almost longer than I've been alive, actually. Uh, and we're thankful to have him. He's also an entrepreneur. So, uh, Willie, man, tell us a little bit about yourself. Help us understand what you want us to know. All right. Well, first of all, um, peace. Uh, and thank you for inviting me on your show. Uh, this is my first podcast, man. So I, I appreciate, man. I'm honored, privileged. Um, you know, uh, start with me. I guess, you know, I'm a PK kid, uh, politician kid. My father was a long-term elected official. I always start with my dad because, you know, we're always standing on somebody else's shoulders and Indeed. it would be no me without him Indeed. Uh, and so our, our legacy and our name and our brand if you will the lightfoot family uh begins with with my father the late uh, honorable willie walker lightfoot who was a county legislator as well as the founder of the southwest area neighborhood association Indeed. so entrepreneurship uh, began with my dad as a vision of seeing my father as an entrepreneur, as a business uh, owner, because he owned uh, a, bi a building, a structure, a mixed-use building, mm. uh, which Swan was in and founded in. Uh, and he, you know, was a community activist and a community person. So I, it wasn't hard for me to get uh, the bug, if you will, of, <laughs> right. of entrepreneurship because it was right in front of my face every day. Gotcha. Uh, as well as his friends. Um, and the people that he was around in the Jefferson Avenue area, I came up in the area, I'm a 70s baby, I came up in the area where, uh, in the 80s, where Jefferson Avenue was probably had the largest amount of um, Black-owned and operated businesses in the city of Rochester. I remember the so, Black Park. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a product of that. You know, Janie Grocery, Star Market, mm. um, all of Lopez, 684, Hollywood Palms. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a... People's proud of the people's club, you know. I'm a yeah. proud of, of of all of that Flossie's um store, uh the kitchen, you know what I mean? Um, so I mean these were these were all uh businesses, uh, um the collision collision shop there on on Jefferson. So these these were all uh the TV repair shop. I mean I could just keep right. going. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know Ray Daniels liquor store. I mean uh Connie Mitchell and Knight Knight family, and they just. You know, it was this car carnival um, ice cream. You know, we had an ice cream uh, parlor on Jefferson Avenue. Man. So, great. you know, these these are the people that I was rubbing shoulders with and, and, and elbows with and got to see every day. Uh, and they and they were black like me and you. Mm -hmm. You know, so that 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 uh, inspired me. Uh, and of course, I, I end up I went to Edison High School, graduated from Edison in 1990. Uh, two weeks after high school, I joined the Air Force. Was in basic training. Turned 18 in basic training. Left, uh, which also helped hone my skills concerning health and business and how to operate, uh, watching how the military operates and the way that they operate, because um, the military is just a big business. You it know is. what I mean? And, and, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, I ended up going to Desert Storm at like 19 years old uh, over in Saudi Arabia. And I got to see, uh, you know, commerce in a way I've never seen it before or, or business operating in a way I've never seen it before before uh, mm -hmm. operating with gold. You know, I got to see um, how this uh, uh, um, Saudi Arabia was like, it was amazing to me how, uh, how like the first time with the Popeyes was in Saudi Arabia. You know, it wasn't in America, it was in Saudi Arabia. So how built up some of these countries were based on uh, the, the, the natural materials that they had, 
what's there is gold. You know what I mean? Actually, talking actual transactions, including gold. I'm seeing this man. I'm seeing like gold on the streets, like it was nothing. Like we see, wow. like they, we, but we see them selling, you know, hot dog stands <laughs> yeah. in America. That's how gold stands are in in Saudi Arabia. They wow. are on every block, every corner, <laughs> and they selling eighteen carat twenty. They don't even sell ten carat gold. They don't even mess with. But that's 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 fake to them. You know, it, everything is like eighteen. 20, 20, uh, four carat is real gold. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so by seeing that and then, you know, as well, coming back to, uh, back to Rochester you know, from the military, getting into the fire department, I spent 20 years on the Rochester fire department, retired from the Rochester fire department last year. Of course, I followed in my dad footsteps with, uh, politics, getting in the county legislature, did 10 years in the county legislature, was turned out, uh, and then just reelected to uh, city council last year at large. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we, we got a long history in this city and, um, you know, we, we just we like to serve. Yeah, you know, you like to serve. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all do like to serve. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we all kind of yeah. come from the right, same part right, from right, the 19th right. Ward and, right. you know, a, a lot of huge things happen mm-hmm. uh, for our city that's rooted right here in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, how that experience, if you will, helped you say for yourself, okay, I need to have a business also. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, business started, uh, again, I started with my dad, but then it, 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 I wanted to do it myself. But how I wanted to do it is, for me, like hanging around all these different people, George Moses with the, um, with the, with the uh, he had the candy shop, uh, he, uh, George Malone, I'm sorry, and, and, and he also used to sell newspapers. And I would watch him and sit around him and watch how he would just handle a cash business. And he always had money. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to, I want to, I want to always have money. <laughs> you know, like that was my motivation. Like, I don't want to be broke. You know what I mean? I want to <laughs> right. have paper. And to me, it didn't have to be a lot. I just wanted to never, I never wanted to have to like go around begging people for money or asking for money. So the people that I saw that seemed like they always had money were the people who were doing cash businesses okay. and the people who were doing cash businesses in our community mostly were barbers I, you know when i go to the barbershop you know i used to go to griffin's barbershop get my hair cut you know what i mean uh U2C was my barber <laughs> one of the coolest uh well-dressed uh, uh baddest barbers in the city and so you know i would watch him and mimic how he would handle his stuff and i was like man you know, being a barber seemed like a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, you look good, number one, because you're Absolutely. a barber, you're getting your hair cut, everybody was, you know, was dapper and fly. And then on top of it, it seemed like you were popular because people would come to you for a service. You made them look good. And then it was a cash business. They always had money. So I'm like, look, man, this is, I want to get with this. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so uh, I started cutting hair when I was about 15 years old. And, uh, you know, did a lot of bad haircuts. <laughs> you know, somewhere, right? Yeah, I started in the basement, tearing up, jacking up people, cut, making, you know, a hairline back in here, that kind of stuff. But eventually, you know, um, I, uh, Griffin, I went to Mr. Griffin and I asked him if he would, you know, teach me and train me. And at the time, there were two twins there, little, a little bit in red, and they kind of took me under their wing. And so was all of, all of the uh, barbers that were at uh, Griffin, they, they kind of, they just took me under their wing, man. And they just um, just started schooling me as to um, not only learning the craft of being a barber, uh, as well as Ray Daniels, who actually taught me how to pass my first um, practical examination with New York State to get my barber license. Uh, but they taught me to respect it, respect the craft mm. of what it means, what does the barber pole mean, and all of these kind of things, and what what the tradition of being a barber and to to respect the craft of it. So I didn't just yeah, right yeah, yeah. 
I know what the barber pole looked like. Right. You said it, we all got a picture of it. Right. How to tell us what it means. So, I mean, that was like the first lesson I got when I went to go get my test and was trying to get um, him to teach me how to take the test. He wouldn't even show me anything. He was like, you got to first go get a book on barbering. I was like, well, why do I need a book? I want to learn to cut hair. I don't want to read no book. He's like, nah, you got to learn the history of barbering. I want you to learn the craft. A barber. So that's a good jewel and tip for anybody getting into anything is first go learn and do your research learn. about Absolutely. it, right? So you can just don't get into it for the money because the passion of it is really what's going to make you be successful in mm. the end because business is very hard. Entrepreneurship is very hard, very hard. you know, so the passion is what's going to make you go uh, above the next person because 90% of the businesses, uh, new businesses fail within the first year. So it's the passion that keeps people from to be successful. So he had me go look at the book. And then the question, the one first question he asked me, what's the barber supposed to stand for? So I'm like, I don't even know, but you know, it was bloodletting is what it stands for. Back in the in the days, they would um they would basically have to they would do like blood transfusions and different things of that nature. And so the red, white, and blue, the red of course for blood, the white for, for bandages, the blue for health. Barbers used to be like the place, they were like the dentist. They were the surgeon, you know, back in, if you look at the old cowboy movies and things of that nature. So it used to be a, a, a actual thing that they held in their hand that when they did surgery within the barbershop that would, for pain. So they would mm. hold it to, to fight off the pain because they didn't have all of the, and the stuff that we have today. And then that would fall into a, a, a cup. And, and so that where the barber pole came from. So when people saw that, they know that they could go there for help. And, and so to this wow. day, to this day, I utilize that as a platform for, you know, I'm the president of the United Professional Barbers and Cosmetologists Association. I, 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 I say that the, the three things that people normally don't change in their lifetime, their doctor, their spiritual leader and their barber petition. Those are things that normally <laughs> transcend generations. Yeah, yeah. So I try to use the barbershop and the shop to be that place for help. Like I, like I was saying with the pole. Help, right. So yeah, that pole is like a sign. Yeah, that's it's why. You, that's why you. It's a flag. Yeah. You see that, and you know that's a place you can go to receive help and get information in the community. So I got in and through it through uh, uh, Griffin's Modern Mystic Barbershop. Started cutting hair, working for him for a while, uh, and then um, in two thousand. The Swan building burned down. My father's building caught on fire, third, mm -hmm. third alarm fire burned. And uh, and then my dad, at the time I was uh, I was I was going to school, uh, MCC, I was still cutting hair at Griffin's, you know, part-time, and I was I was in the National Guard. So I you know I had a lot on my plate. Uh, my dad, um, the building burned and he wanted to rebuild the building. Mm -hmm. So we started working immediately to rebuild the building, and then he learned that he had cancer. Uh, stomach cancer. Yeah. So in 2001, as his vision of rebuilding the building was, we were trying to put that together. He passed away. So he passed away in April, uh, and then we had 9/11. 9/11 kicked off, and after that, I was in the military. So I got sent to Afghanistan for uh, for four months. Actually, uh -huh. Uzbekistan okay. uh, during that time. Being in, going through that, I was still in process of of building this mixed-use building, building Swan back, if you will, yeah. uh, or the building back because community had lost something. And upon returning home from uh, Operation uh, uh, Undoing Freedom, when I came back from that, we I started working with the city to rebuild the, the, the building. Long story short, I ended up between city grants, my own personal investment, um, people, you know, others kicking in, helping mm -hmm. out. I ended up building Lightfoot Square named yep. after my dad. 
So we build life with square mixtures. Build. I have built nothing. I have never built anything in my life but a Lego set. You feel me? So to build something was was that that process itself uh, was was amazing. And when I look back today and see what I'm just now starting to understand what I did, like mm-hmm. I, it didn't impact me what I did at the time because I was just trying to to do something that I promised my father that I would do. Okay. But I didn't realize that I was making myself an entrepreneur and then I was leaving generational wealth for my children. I That's didn't understand that at the time until now. So it's mixed-use building, two one-barrel apartments upstairs, three commercial units downstairs. So we have a restaurant space, we have an office space, and we have a new creations unisex shop. So I, uh, we, we um, cut the ribbon on that in 2003, and uh, we've been around for 15 years now. 15 years providing jobs, opportunities, uh, and, and a whole lot of um, hope in the community. Now, now this is <laughs> that word hope, right? Mm-hmm. So President Obama wrote a book mm-hmm. called The Audacity of Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to tell you, if you have not read it, I'm going to give you my copy. You can read it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, hope really in my mind's eye, is one of the fundamental principles of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. You are looking for a thing to come to be materialized, right? right. That, you can, that you can own, mm-hmm. that you can benefit in terms of rewards from, mm-hmm. and you can also provide value uh, in a way that you believe to be important. Mm-hmm. So for some people, I know for me, entrepreneurship is about creating jobs, you see? I want people to have uh, a living where they can provide for their families, yeah, where they can also learn something mm-hmm. and potentially buy me out. <laughs> right, 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 indeed. indeed. So, uh, uh, you know, in the service space, that the idea of hope is very real. And I think that you have to have a, a strong sense of that in order to be an entrepreneur. Would you agree or would you disagree? No, I definitely would agree. Um, and, and the fact that we're able to um, grab our energy, if you will, from people like Obama or all of the names that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is where hope comes from. You you have to see, taste, and feel hope. You know, it's not just something that materializes. It, it, it has to be felt and seen and, and 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 grasped. You know, and I think we grasp that from watching others and and and. And having that inspiration, if you will, from from people like, for instance, I told you all the people that I was looking at and that that were inspiring me, that gave me hope. Mm-hmm. But then, whose hope have I become? Have you become? Have others become? That now these young people are seeing me. And, and the thing about the the building uh, life of square, what I didn't realize again, I still didn't understand the impact of that. Of course, we were, you know, we're trying to provide jobs. We're trying to provide opportunities. We wanted to have something that we could be proud of in our community because, you know, you look at the buildings clean. We it's keep nice it clean. Building. We try to, you know, <laughs> thank you. Very we, nice we building. Really very try, nice just because we're, we, quote, unquote, are in the hood, we don't have to be hood. That's right. our whole model. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? We want excellence no matter where we are. So now, but when I look back and, and as a city council man now and, and, and working, I sit on the chairman of the public safety committee. Mm. I'm also on the neighborhood business development committee. And I'm looking at the development in this city and I'm looking at um, black development in this mm. city or, or, or minority development or women owned business, NWB, right. looking at those type of things. And I looked at myself and I'm realizing and I'm searching the history and I'm looking and over the last 20 years, I'm one of the few people of color that have built 
anything in this city outside of a church. Mm -hmm. So when we talk entrepreneurship, wow, the thing I did not know that. I mean, but it's a beautiful thing. Think about it. I mean, I, and, and so, but I don't. That's not. That's not something I'm proud of. In 2018, that should not be the case, right? That should not be the case. I certainly agree with you, right? So we have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. And when you do the the math, or when you do your statistical studies on uh, generational wealth, or the 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 disparities between wealth between people of color and other nationalities and other people, um, we still fall drastically behind uh, when it comes to ownership. Mm -hmm. We, as people of color, do not own stuff. You know, we own cars, clothes, you know, materialistic things of right. that nature, but we don't own property, businesses, uh, or, or, or not at the level of other people. Exactly. And, and it brings us behind in, uh, when it comes to when we talk about uh, poverty or getting out of poverty, we must start that conversation with building wealth through ownership. Now, would you agree or disagree with the idea that uh, there have been several attempts to use economic development as a means to help people uh, understand wealth, potentially be more profitable? Mm -hmm. Definitely, and and it's a it's it's a, a multifaceted um, approach that we must take. It's not just economic development. I think that's a way that we use. But in construction, when people start, we talk economic development. You got to talk construction. So when you start talking construction, I can attest to how difficult it's. Biggest business, but it's a cutthroat business, and, and 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 it's very difficult. Here here I, as a private person. I was building a structure. I built a structure and how difficult that was for me to do as a private person having 70% of the money. Mm. So you got to peep that now. Right. Most construction projects, 70% of the money is being either a grant or being, you know, Loan. being being loaned to them or whatever. Sort of and, right. Situation. Right. And so, and, and they only have 30%. I had 70% that I was bringing to the table and I was only trying to, get 30% and it was still a struggle. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's an ideal situation for any government or for any community right. to have somebody, an investor like that. Exactly. You see what I'm saying? So that's not common though. As investment, we're seeing uh, tax breaks and all of these things that are given to big businesses and not so much the little guy. It's the or, little guy who needs it. And it's the little guy who needs it. So to encourage that, um, but I will say this, I'm, I'm currently attending a program now called a BOP, you know, a business Just opportunity finished. program. Just finished. Yeah. Great program. Fantastic. Uh, you know, and, and me, my thing was, I'm not going to tell people to go to something that I haven't tried myself. And even after 15 years of business, I'm still trying to figure out how to expand, how to do better, mm -hmm. how, and also how can I help to educate others to be able to take advantage of programs that may put them in the position where they have ownership and where they have their own business and entrepreneurship going on. I think um, me me. So you brought it up. I'm gonna mm -hmm. give them a shameless plug here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the business opportunity program uh, through the uh, Rochester Modernization uh, School Program. Mm -hmm. uh, the benefit in that for me mm -hmm. uh, as a person who uh, has a business in uh, uh, Pioneer CNR Development, mm -hmm. uh, doing demolition and asbestos, mm -hmm. in, so in the construction field. Right. Uh, the benefit from that program has been for me to gain access to people that I would not have ordinarily had access to. Mm. These are decision makers who can uh, confirm a contract 
mm-hmm. okay, right. who who have projects that they need uh, that they have to uh, meet requirements for, uh, where my business is uh, a value. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to I want to get back a little bit to the value process to the value proposition mm-hmm. uh, in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you what I'm a particular fan of uh, in regards to how you handle your business. Uh, is how you leverage influence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so you talked about the mixed use building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many years it's been now. I'm, I'm going to say maybe five. I could be mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do the public, uh, the public service uh, through your church, right in the parking lot, right, right in the yard, the right vibe. in the parking yeah, lot. Yeah, man. Seventeen years, listen, man, man. So many people. Yeah. You talk about hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about uh, you know, and I, I can count on both my hands the right. people yeah. who came from this community, right? Who passed your shop and they got an opportunity. Yes, like you, uh, my dad got his hair cut at Griffin. Mm-hmm. I got my hair cut at Griffin as a young as a young man. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so uh, talk to me a little bit about, or talk to the listeners a little bit about the value you see in being an entrepreneur. The big to, to me, the biggest value is the fact that you have something that you can give back. Mm. And and I think that that's something that I hope to encourage with events like the Jefferson Avenue Tent Revival. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was something that we started, you know, when my dad passed away, I felt like there was this huge vacuum that was or, 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 or spirit that was taken from the community. Absolutely. And I wanted to figure out a way to restore that hope, if you will, because my dad was 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 a lot to a lot of people. Absolutely, you know. And so, and I couldn't, I wasn't gonna try to fill his shoes. It's impossible. But I, but I, what I did know is that whenever there's a void, we as people of color, especially, understand our faith That's is exactly. what have carried us throughout generations and generations. Time time. So my thing was, what's the most important thing that I can give people to help them uh, 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 have some type of, of healing, if you will? Because uh, everybody's taking some kind of loss. Everybody has as situations where they can they can use some inspiration. Mm-hmm. So we started the, the Jefferson Avenue Tent Revival, and that was an opportunity to give people that inspiration and give and bring us back to our our foundation, if you will, which is we we can't have nothing without God. We we, we need right. Him uh, <laughs> to do everything that we do. So and we just continued it consistent. Every the 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 thing about value. And the thing about entrepreneurship and how it brings value is you have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Whatever your business is, whatever your mission in life is or your purpose in life is or your lane, if you will, or where you find your niche in life. The the biggest uh, one of the biggest tips that I can give anybody is to be consistent. It's the consistency of what you do that's going to make the difference over the long haul and the thing about entrepreneurship, which is which basically just means willing to take a risk to take that risk to be in business, which is very risky, um, is that if more people, the value of it, if more people gave of their time and their gifts and their energy, the more better our community would be. And so, for instance, I have a barbershop. So I was sitting on TV one day watching, you know, young men. And I saw them on television and they were, and they were getting arrested. And and, 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 I, and I was, of course, concerned about why they were getting arrested. But the bigger thing that stuck out to me was how their hair looked. I said, you know, they look, they look horrible. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. It just, I didn't like that image mm-hmm. of how it made us as people look on television. So I said, I wanted to start a program called Cut the Violence, where we do free haircuts. 
Uh, we, have, we give out free toys. We bring out service agencies to give out information. And, and, and I wanted to create an opportunity where uh, women, especially who have multiple children and can't afford to go take four and five boys to go get no haircut. You know, we do it twice a year. Right. So, I mean, we, we started a program, me and Vinny Dotson, rest in peace, who actually we're here. We're doing a program of peace and trying to stop violence. And he was murdered in his barbershop. You know what I'm saying? Two years after we started this program. So it just show you how real it is to have uh, efforts to try to do anti-violent things and positive things. But we took this opportunity or I took my gift, my business mm -hmm. to give back to the community, which in turn gives back to me. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that, that's what I think people don't in business. They don't realize and understand when you start business, you might first have to give away your product for a little while. Right. To, to, to people can contest it, check it out. But if you continue to, if you give it away first, they say, oh, well, they're just giving it away because they started a new business. But if you continue to do giveaways throughout the year, if you continue to be consistent with how you're giving back to the community, that energy is going to come back to your business. You know what I mean? That energy is coming back to your business. We've been doing Cut the Violence now for like 12, uh, 13 years, over 3,000 free haircuts we've mm -hmm. done all over the city. We do Project Homeless. Which we do, we do free haircuts for the homeless people uh, uh, once or twice a year, and I've seen uh, those 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 uh, individuals come back to my shop That's and cool. become customers, mm. and bring their children back and become customers. So the value of, of, of entrepreneurship is not just making money, but having the the opportunity and being in a position to help somebody else through your business. Right. You know what I mean? And to be that example, to be that hope, but also to be able to give back of your resources. And if every business did that in our community, our community would be a better place. So it, it gives you the ability to contribute mm -hmm. on one, a larger scale. Mm -hmm. Okay, Absolutely. And two, in a way where people can actually have uh, some real value in mm -hmm. terms of helping them feel better about themselves. Right. And that's very important. Very so, important. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Okay. Okay. Uh, some of the challenges, man, that you see with being an entrepreneur? Uh, challenges, you know, for me, uh, you know, part of the struggle of my business, building a, a, a business like that, um, it's a half an acre of land, and, uh, um, and it was in the, the corner lot in the middle of a very impoverished neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So one of the challenges for me was that the return on my investment was not good in the beginning. Like I, I went very long, taxes are high. You know, we don't get the breaks that some of the other companies get. You know, I almost lost my business a few years back due to just not being able to pay the property taxes on it because people didn't want to rent in a particular part yeah, of yeah. the, the neighbor, you know, right. community. And that caused me to have extensive vacancies, very difficult to market my business uh, because of the, the, the area that it was in. So those are some of your challenges is when you, when you start a business, they always say location, 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 location. Well, the location was never an option for me because I knew where I was going to build at. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I was building in the hood. I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the time, it was before Obama, and you know the recession was it was bad, man. Right. When I 2003, think of the timing of it all. You know the, the economy was was tanking. It was bad. Gas prices was through the roof. You know people weren't really spending a lot of money. Right. Um, you know, and 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 I was suffering. I had to cut my prices down in the shop. I had you know I had to adjust to the, to, to what was going on in the environment. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know, and, and be right. be able to weather that storm. Now, had right. I not been a firefighter, 
and had a full-time job like that, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have weathered that storm. Wow. I'm just going to keep it real. I, and, and a lot of businesses I saw come and go during that time, 2003 to like, did I say 2008 or so? I've seen a lot of people close up. I've seen a lot of shops close up. I've seen a lot of businesses close up because they couldn't weather that storm. And so I would, you know, uh, also another tip to people is, is to have multiple streams of income. Mm. It's very important because when one stream dries up, you can tap into another. Right. You know, that's very important as a business person to have a diverse profile, right. you know, because, you know, you never know when something going, when, when something going to dry up. So that those were challenges as well as, as for me, um, just working with, with, you know, um, individuals, finding good help. Finding good work, you know, is something always a challenge when you're in business. Uh, you Stop know. right there. Yes, sir. Let's, let's talk about the finding good help, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, if we take, a, if we just think about some of the thoughts of this podcast, uh, service history, service of helping people, mm -hmm. you providing opportunities, and here it is: it's difficult to find someone, people, right, who can also make a living. Right. Right. Yep. Learn a craft. Mm -hmm. Also make a living and contribute uh, to the betterment of us as people. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you this. You can't put that fresh out the barber chair when you turn around and look in the mirror. Right. You can't put that in the bottle. Right. That right. don't go. That don't go overseas. You feel like a whole new. You feel like a whole fresh out the shower. You right. fully clothed. Right. Feel like you got out the shower. Right. Clean. Right. Okay. Right. You know people see this edge up. You mm -hmm. know people see this fade. Absolutely. All right? Yep. So working with people, yep. right? Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about it because listen, I know a handful of, I could, I could point to a handful of people mm -hmm. off the top, Willie Lightfoot, you changed their life. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about finding the right people. Well, for me, um, being born and raised in, in the community and Rochester being a very small community and the barber community is, is, is a community within itself. So, you know, in my shop, I was very fortunate to have um, barbers who have been doing this for a long time, even longer than me. So um, it wasn't as much as a challenge for me as it may be for other folks, only because I just knew a lot of people in the business. However, um, people just... just some of this generation, I'm just, just gotta keep it 100, man. It's lazy, man. You know, I just, I mean, I just gotta, 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 gotta just put it out there, man. It's lazy, man. They, you know, their work ethic is just not there. Not there you know, man. and I, you know, I started with my father used to get us up at seven o'clock in the morning to go clean up Jefferson Avenue, cut grass with the vacant lot program, and you know, the Dr. Lot program, all the things. You know, we would start at seven o'clock in the morning, man. We yeah, man, we got it in, man. And so, you know, um, to see this generation and you know, not have that work ethic, I think is the biggest thing that's lacking. Mm. Is that work? If you say you open at nine, you should be there right. at, at eight thirty. Yeah, you know, eight o'clock. Right. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. You, you know, and, and just being on the job, being professional, is something that I struggle with, and I try to teach that to uh, my barbers and people that I work with um, all the time. Is to be be professional, you know, and it, you shouldn't, you know, it ain't, it, it shouldn't be, you shouldn't act a certain way because it's deemed, like I said, the hood, right. and, and I don't. I'm not giving people hood service. No. You know what I'm no, saying? No. You're going to get top-notch service as if you That's were at right. Park Avenue or Henrietta Pittsburgh or Penfield. 
when you when you when you you get my service, I want to give you the best because you're paying for it. Number right. one, and and number two, that's a reflection of me. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's that seems to be a struggle at times cause to get people to just buy into your philosophy into your business practices. Okay. So another transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, help. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, being an entrepreneur is very difficult. Mm-hmm. All right. You mentioned that you had a full time job as a firefighter, so mm-hmm. you saving lives on multiple levels. Right. You save lives in the military. Mm-hmm. You save lives literally. <laughs> As a firefighter, right? right. right? You mm-hmm. fought for the people on legislation, mm-hmm. right? You're still uh, fighting for the people on city council, mm-hmm. all right? You're helping the people with your barber shop. You got a whole family, mm-hmm. okay? That's a lot for one man. That's a lot, yeah. You see? Mm-hmm. So your health is a vital part of you being able to continue all the efforts that you have. Right. How do you think your health uh, either helps or hurts you be successful? Um, the, the health part, I think, is, is, is both. Because the more healthy you are and the more your abilities to do things, the more busier you go, the more you're going to push the envelope. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you're a triathlon, you're going to work harder than somebody who may be have a disability. You know, that's just common sense. So, of course, I'm not a triathlon, but but I'm but I'm, I've always had a, been a healthy person. Well, let, let me be you more clear. Because mm-hmm. Okay, let me be more clear. Mm-hmm. So, when I talk about health, when we talk about health on, mm. this, on the podcast, mm. we're talking not only your physical health, but we're talking mm. about your emotional health. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All of that. That's, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to that. Okay. So, so for, for me, uh, starting with the physical piece, it, you know, because that's the one you first see is physically. Is it, it, you know, I, because I've been very physically and emotionally and spiritually, because I, I look at the being as a three part whole being, you okay. know, mind, body, spirit. So I think if in all of that, I have been very fortunate with having a good grounded foundation on all that. However, my family has suffered though as a result of that. It would be I would be I wouldn't be telling the truth about it and say, you know, here I'm 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 in the military, I'm in school, I'm running a business, I'm doing all these things that, you know, of course, being home and being with my family, that suffered a little bit. So what what I found that first of all, as African American men and women and people of color, you have to go to the doctor. Okay, like that's number one. And I mean, I talk about consistency. Consistency, if you don't get nothing else from out of what I say to you, it's being consistent in your holistic of your life. You have to go to the doctor consistently two or three times a year. Just in itself is going to make your health that much better. Mm. For me, I have to be spiritually grounded. And, And everyone has something that they believe in that gives them that peace, if you will. For me, that's my, that's church. That's, you know, my spiritual foundation that keeps me spiritually healthy, mentally healthy, because I I take that time to go and get filled with positivity and re-energize. And and then there's also time management. You often have to be a good time manager of your time and and prioritize because me being in the fire department, I was in the military. I was always focused on the alarm ringing. Mm. The bell going off, and I gotta hurry up and go fix something. So, 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 but what I had to realize, and as I matured in business and entrepreneurship, and in my personal life, is that every emergency is not my emergency. <laughs> right, right. I had to, I had to realize that every emergency is not my. So emergency. you had to work to cut the switch off. I had. So you the guy running to the problem. I, I'm always <laughs> running to it. I'm always trying to fix it. I'm always, you know, which that can be unhealthy. That can be unhealthy. Okay. That drains. That's it, absolutely. 
And I had to learn how that the quick fixes sometimes can make things worse. And that oftentimes you have to learn how to let things, just let it go, just leave it alone. Mm. Every emergency is not your emergency. Every situation it does not deem for you to be captain save the day or you know yeah. uh, involved in that type of manner. And you're gonna learn that in business too, that there is a time and place for everything. And you have to have balance in your life to be healthy in entrepreneurship, in business, in family, in, in community. You have to have balance because this community, what I learned from my dad, he passed away with stomach cancer. I think I think that's how he got it. I think he got it through doing stress. Stress, doing too much. He, it took nine people to do what my father was doing when he passed away, mm. right? So what did I gather out of that? I said, I'm not going I'm I'm to let them kill me. <laughs> I'm feel not going to let them kill me, <laughs> so, right? So because this community will ride you till you can't ride no more okay. because they don't realize you're a human being. They don't realize you got a family. They don't care about that. That's how they'll, they'll, do people, though. they'll stop you in Walmart, <laughs> wherever, and, 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 and hit you with um, what they issue. But they issue doesn't have to be your issue right. all the time. Not all the time. You right. know, right. you got to learn how to have good time management um, to be swift to hear and slow to speak uh, and to be able to help yourself. If you can't help yourself and your own family, then how can you help the world? It starts with yourself and your own family. If you can't deposit into your own son and daughter and deposit into your own wife or loved one, how are you going to be depositing into other else? And somebody has to be depositing into you. Right. right. You have to have a mentor. You have to have somebody who's depositing into you, who is above you per se, and you're, and, and that may be several people. I often say, "I got Team Willie," mm -hmm. and everybody should have Team Donald. Team, they should have your dream team, your winning team. You gotta have, and there should be at least five people well, on your team. Well, that's why I came to you because you're part of my team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you part mean, of my team. And right? I often tell when I'm speaking in schools and stuff, I tell, I said. You, even young kids, I tell them, you are a CEO already. And they go, I ain't no CEO. I'm eight, nine years old. You the CEO of you. Right. You the, the general manager of you. And it's time now, even at that age, to start building your team. Start building your winning Super Bowl dream team for you. Mm -hmm. And that's people that's going to be on your team who's going to help you be the best you you can be. You know what I'm saying? And that energy's got to be positive. That energy's got to be uh, 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 self-development and, uh, uh, and, and the ability to help you achieve and obtain all of the goals that you want to achieve and attain. That, to me, is critical when trying to be an entrepreneur, when talking about health, when talking about value, when talking about hope. When you put all of those things together, it's only going to be as good as the individual. And the individual is only going to be as good as the team that he has. Now, if he don't even realize he needs a team, he in trouble. He or she is in trouble. <laughs> trouble. They're in trouble. Yeah, because who you gonna fall on? Who, who, who? Other than yourself, you can't be everything and do everything by yourself. No. You're gonna need people. That's not our history. Mm -hmm. We're communal people. Absolutely. From the beginning. Right. From the beginning, we've all. And I think when you look at people failing, because I told you in the beginning, ninety percent of new businesses fail within the first year. If you look at that, it's mostly because they don't have a plan mm -hmm. to succeed. And the plan, if they do have a plan, the plan only includes themselves. Mm. You, but you cannot do this work uh, by yourself and have and be healthy 
and be hopeful and be right. all of those things that we're talking about because you're just going to run yourself yeah. out. You're you're gonna know, burn you need a team. Right. Absolutely. So, listen, this has been – I want one – uh, first of all, I want to thank you for joining the oh, podcast. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. This is awesome. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. Um, if you have any comments or questions, uh, you can email optimismnow, uh, the number one, at gmail.com. Uh, those emails will be read and reviewed, and we will address them uh, uh, as we as we move. Again, if you have any thoughts, views, concerns uh, about uh, the podcast, you can email us at optimismnow, uh, the number one, at gmail.com. Big bro, I want to thank you again thank you. for taking the time to step out and help us with this process. Appreciate right? you, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, that's gold right there. That's gold right there. <laughs>